0: Hey guys, it's Steve with UnashamedUnafraid.com, a blog unashamed about sexual addiction recovery and unafraid of coming into Christ for healing. So I'm here with Paul, the bowtie guy. That's me, yeah. Paul, I always let people introduce themselves, so I'm going to let you introduce yourself. You know... Uh... Tell us who, who is Paul, what is the bowtie guy...
1: So, I've always worn a bow tie, so that's the bow tie thing, but uh, I am, uh, I'm Paul, I am a guy who lives out in the middle of the desert in California, and uh, used to be somebody, and then I wasn't anybody, and now I'm somebody even better, Uh, and the bow tie is uh, just some catchy little shtick to start a conversation with people so they'll ask me about my own blog, uh, podcast uh, where I'm Tell us, guys. plug, 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 I am, plug it's, it's the Mess It Up podcast, uh, we take messes and turn them into messages uh, so it's the biker chick and the bow tie guy uh, a lot of people think I'm the biker chick but uh, I have to wear the bow tie to convince them otherwise <laughs> <Makes> <laughs> yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and, and the bow tie started, I worked at a Starbucks and a person gave me a bow tie and I started wearing it and then I just started getting it. so now I have Over 80 bow ties I wear a bow tie Almost all the time Uh, And coincidentally You can't tell Because this is not A visual podcast This is the one day I'm not wearing The bow tie So disappointing Yeah So disappointing I actually have Four bow ties In my, uh, my suitcase But I forgot When I was packing In a hurry I forgot to bring Any shirts with collars and so a bow tie without a collar I makes would have lent me, him one he didn't ask. It, it makes me look like a, a, a really out-of-shape Chippendales dancer, and it's just a bad <laughs> look. So I, I don't I do not do the bow tie without the collars. Uh, yeah, so uh, that's me. I do, I do the podcast, I do a blog, and then I, I do uh Tell us the ministry. website. Uh, the website is com, and then I also have my uh, my weekly blog of hope, which is MinisterOfMocha.com. com. Uh, so, um, people who listen to me,
0: people who know me know that I'm kind of a, sh- a stick about the people's content that I will support. Um, you know, the smart thing to do if you're a, a podcaster blogger is like support everyone, put your stuff on their stuff, get your name out there and blow it up. Right. So I'm, I'm a bad, you know, podcaster cause I don't, because I'm like, if your stuff's not legit, <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. Right. And um, I, I actually have been on the show. I've been a guest on yep. the show. I've um, I listened to I listen to very few podcasts actually. I know that's a terrible confession as a podcaster, yeah. but um, but you're just one that I listen to. It's it, because there's a, a kindred spirit between you and I right. of you know being uh-huh. unashamed and sharing what's going on. And I think to kinda I guess introduce Paul's story And as always, we'll kind of let him talk about his own recovery and and coming to Christ and everything that way. Um, I I tell people that typically when I speak and stuff that you can't one-up me. (laughs) <laughs> I, I rarely want to run into people who have as large of a shame story. I do sometimes shame story as, as me and uh, that have done, you know, the bad things that I've done and, and been, you know, all the, all the stuff that people don't come back from. And so the last story that we had on um, was Dave. Dave talked about his meth addiction, right, as well as his sexual addiction. And Paul is one of the few people, which is why I'm so happy you're here, that I'm like, Paul, you live in a space. You minister in a space, right, yeah. with your prison ministry stuff, that I'm like, that is beyond my relatability personally, my yeah. own personal story, right. right? And so it's just amazing. Your story is just incredible. So um, I hope you guys hang with us um, and and hear, hear Paul out because this is – I've been excited. When did we first talk? I mean, it's been it's, it's been, been probably 6
1: months I've been like chomping at the bit to get you on here. At least at least 6 months. Yeah, I think cuz it was my show is just a little over, well it's going to be a year old uh, next week and it was really soon in that I found you cuz I was researching and trying to find other, you know, yeah. podcasts of yep. a similar vein. Yep. So it's it's been probably 8 months. That we've been and, in and touch. I've tried to get
0: Paul I'm like I'm like Paul let's just do this thing over the phone let's just record this thing that's and he's like no 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 I I'm coming to Utah all the time has a daughter here I'm coming to Utah all the time just wait and I'm like I'm not I can't wait we got to do this but we're here <laughs> I've waited it's Christmas
1: morning we're here Paul ready to go tell how did it start so uh, I was uh, I, I was born Sorry. in a little small town in the middle of the desert in California that was uh, we were the civilian support for a Naval aviation base okay. out in Ridgecrest. Okay. And most of our, most of the people that I know and that um, I grew up with, their parents worked, we just always said, What do your parents do? Oh, they work on base. And a lot of uh, science and research and development. We invented some cool things out there in the middle of the desert. We uh, we invented the sideways. Just missile. tell
0: us you live on Area Fifty One, bro. Just it drop is some super knowledge.
1: close to Fifty One. It really is. Area Fifty One is is a, uh, about an hour and a half uh, from my house. Uh, it's closer if we could, you know, just drive straight. But there's windy roads. Uh, But we did it. We invented the Sidewinder missile. We invented glow sticks that you snap and shake. You know, that was invented out there. And a cool one that I just found out about recently that was invented on uh, the China Lake Navy base is urinal cakes. So we got that going for us. (laughs) But Claim uh, to fame. Yeah, super claim to fame. Uh, Tom Cruise was just out there a couple weeks back uh, filming Top Gun 2. Uh, so we do a lot of uh, movies and commercials. If you see any Mercedes commercials uh, with mountains in the background, that's our airport. Uh, so a small little hey. town. There was like eight thousand people there. okay, everybody knew everybody, and everybody had we had lots of disposable income, really low. Um,
0: Which is not your typical small town thing, right? Typically no. small town, you run into some more, it's rural, yeah. kind of poverty. It's more lifestyle than about yep. money. Yep. But it lots wasn't the case. of
1: disposable income. Okay. We were all upper middle class kids. Okay. So I was kind of privileged um, and knew everybody. Um, so I wound up after going to, to school, uh, to college. Uh, you know, we grew up, we went to church. We mm-hmm. did church on, on Sunday but that was the extent of it. After, just kind of a
0: cultural thing.
1: Yeah, on non-Sundays, it yeah. was we said a prayer before we ate because that was yeah. important. But we didn't live a lifestyle that reflected Christ in the least. It was just whatever we wanted to do is what we yeah. did. Um, but I had this this vague sense of morality that I needed to keep. So I was the one kid in town, well, in my group of friends, didn't drink, didn't mm-hmm. smoke. Didn't mess around with drugs. I was try. I, I was like no premarital sex. You know, you got to yeah. just be. Yep. I was doing everything the right way. But mine was more of a fire insurance than anything else. I was trying to make sure I did the right <laughs> things because I didn't want to go to hell. Oh, later. So I, I just got the fire insurance yeah. joke. Sorry, I'm behind. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, no, so-
0: but I understand what you're saying. I think I think a lot of. Christians live that way, particularly oh, yeah. as youth, because to, to get your own testimony of crisis, that's a journey, right? Right. So you kind of hear everyone kind of saying it sounds right. So you kind of, you know, fake it till you make it. Yeah. Right? That makes sense. Okay.
1: Yep. So you're so doing that. I wound up uh, going to college uh, with a girl that I, had, well, I didn't go to college with her. Uh, we, we started dating right before I went to college. And then after the first year of college for her, it was my third year. I had gone to a junior college in town. Uh, We wound up moving in together and getting married, and she was um, very much an agnostic. And so I just got lazy in my faith, Uh, didn't go to church once I moved out of the house. So a lot
0: lot of people enter into this. So, I mean, in that relationship, was it like— hey you can totally go to church Paul but I'm not going to yeah or was it like hey Paul I don't do the church thing so if you're gonna roll with me you got to quit rolling with that no
1: no she was like whatever we can do it and she was kind of curious her her father was a uh, uh a scarred Catholic and mm. so he had completely shunned everything that had to do with faith and yeah. was and, and he he was more like yeah we don't do church we don't do God we I guess he Probably called himself an atheist. Um, yeah, I see, we see that a lot with
0: the with the LDS church because it's, it's like the Catholic church. There's not a lot of culture attached yeah. to church. And so a lot of times when people leave the culture, they kind of leave God all together. Right, often. Yeah.
1: yeah. So she was curious, and she said she wanted to know more, mm-hmm. but she also really liked to sleep on Sunday. And yeah. so her, her curiosity did not uh, exceed her... Tiredness,
0: and you're a kind of a fire insurance
1: guy. So yeah,
0: so put I, those two together, and there you are.
1: Yeah, and and it, I was studying history. I started looking at ancient cultures, and uh, looking at you know like Roman mythology and Greek mythology, and I thought, what is this Christian mythology? It's uh, just these woo stories and and it yeah. sounds kind of hokey and yeah sure you got pregnant girl yeah I know how that happened we all know how that <laughs> happened so I just started writing everything off and I didn't have any kind of a personal relationship and I didn't have I didn't have anything in my life that had really tied me to faith other than the tradition yeah so um, I remember telling my parents you know because I was talking about getting married and I remember telling my parents yeah I don't believe in In God anymore. I don't. I don't believe that. That's just kind of hokey. Yeah, it's a story. So we got married, had a girl, little a little daughter, and uh, she's the one that lives here now. And uh, after we moved back to town after college, I got a a job offer back in my little desert town. Moved back there. uh, She hooked up pretty quickly with a person from work and wound up leaving me and my one-year-old daughter. And I was just um I was bankrupt emotionally,
0: yeah
1: and spiritually, and yeah, so that's huge. I was working with a lady who I called you know this Jesus Freak lady, and at lunch she was always talking about oh, Jesus did this, and it was sweet and cute, but so corny and and I used to laugh at her behind her back and try to convince well I didn't try to convince her because I knew she was too far gone, but I just said she doesn't understand a coincidence. Yeah, you know, good things happen in the world and Uh bad things happen in the world, and that's just how it is. It's
0: just how it is, yeah.
1: So when my wife left, I was like, man, this lady knows about Jesus, and I used to do that thing, so now I need something. So I said, hey, can I go to church with you? So she started taking me to church with her and her daughters. Her husband didn't uh, do the church thing. But we went, and uh, I didn't know that she was – starting to go through the process of a divorce as well. So here we are both going through divorces and clinging to each other. So we were each other's lifeboat and wound up um, getting married. So as we're dating, I had heard stories. She had three kids, and I heard stories about her oldest daughter that were not really flattering to her daughter. She was a teenager and just kind of running around. Troublemaker. Yeah. One of the bad ones. Yeah. 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 So Uh that got my brain going. And uh, we lived... My house was two doors down from her house. So... Our kids would play a lot. It is a small town. Yeah. So sometimes the, <laughs> the girls would come down and everybody would watch a movie at my house on a Friday night. Uh, and they would just. Because you have your daughter from your
0: first marriage with right, you. Right. Right. Okay.
1: So they would all sleep out on the living room floor uh, after a movie and then we'd wake up on Saturday and do whatever we were going to do. Um, so one evening, the girls would fall asleep during the movie. So I turned the TV off and uh, I wound up molesting her oldest daughter, and uh, touched her over the clothes, but still, it was was a molest, and it kind of freaked me out when I did it. I was like, that was too far, so I got up and went back to my bedroom, and then I heard her go to the bathroom, so I went out and, and talked to her. I said, hey, you know, I think this might have happened. I was asleep, and I think I might have touched you and whatnot, and that should never happen, and... Uh, Because I was a school teacher, my big fear was having someone say, and he said, don't tell. Because that's always the punctuation mark at the end of the story. And so for me, the molest wasn't the bad thing. It was telling him not to tell that was the bad thing. So I said, do you want to talk to your mom about this? You know, we can talk to her. And So her mom did find out, and I just brushed it off as this was an accident. It was a one-time thing. Well, after that, that daughter never came down. You know to watch movies or anything like that, there was a distance,
2: yeah,
1: and uh, she was you know scared by it and, and not happy with it, and hurt that her mom didn't come to her support
0: well and and um, I mean, as we were talking before this, I mean I was like that's a lot of minimalizing Paul. yeah, and you're like, oh yeah, I'm in a bad place, so I think to, in case anyone's misunderstanding the story you were in a terrible place minimizing yeah. trying to minimize this minimize her feelings minimize
1: what happened minimize Absolutely. the trauma smooth yeah. this thing over complete denial tell a good story and yeah. uh paint the right picture and so my mind was working on painting that picture and making sure that I was making myself look as good as possible and I wasn't going out and putting up you know billboards saying hey this is a bad girl but if anybody asked I would talk around, you know, situations and, and let them know, hey, you know.
0: she's kind of a troublemaker. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: So things kind of blew over in my mind. Uh, and at this point I'm not thinking about what she's thinking about at all. Didn't didn't cross my mind. Yep. It's one time saying no big deal. Yep. So and, and act- actually in my mind I'm thinking, okay, she probably wanted that. Uh, you know, she's a bad girl. That, that was probably a good thing there's for her. The,
0: There's the justification.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yep. So by the time year or so later that I got married to her mom, now we're in the same house. So now the opportunity is there and I can see it. And this is in the mid-90s. So starting to get towards so the we're internet. like
0: thirty years before the Me Too movement, right? Yes. just as far as yes. and again, you're in a small town upper, you know, white white class male. I mean, just yeah, this is I, I don't want to use the word textbook, right? But I mean, oh. this is textbook, right? Yes, it is, that, and and, that, and I was
1: local you know, celebrity, so to speak, because yeah. I I made sure that I did the right things when you're
0: a charismatic, charismatic guy, yeah. yeah, and
1: and I was young. Um, And uh, very popular at the school where I taught, uh, active in the community. And I made sure I got more and more active in the community because I could see things. I'd started, like I said, this is 95 we got married. So we get the internet, you know, because it's a high-tech community. So we've all got, you know, cutting-edge technology. Yep. Uh, Get the internet, and lo and behold, I find out that you Um. can find – Porn. Pornography on the internet, and you don't have to pay for it if you do the right things. Yep. Uh, so I was, I, I've never, I can't say never. And you're when, what, age, what age are you at this time? I am uh, late 20s. Okay. Uh, yep. So late 20s. Uh, yeah. And so there's a 17 year difference between me and, and my and, wife. And porn so hadn't her, been a problem before this. Porn it, not this been is a when it come up. Yep. Okay. Uh, so I'm 26 years old. And this stepdaughter is 14 years old. And so I'm like, okay, well, you know, yeah. this is it, it became more and more of a temptation and an urge. So I was using the pornography that I found yep. to try to fight that off, figuring, okay, this is not good, but it's better than what I want to do. Yep.
0: so I, I wish that I had like a, whenever we tell these stories, because really it just reminds me of myself and all my own denial and justification. I wish we had like a light bulb that, you know, we yeah. could pull that everyone could see. It's like every time you're saying something that's total justification or denial, we just kind of pull the light bulb, you know? Yeah. And I thought like this, being light bulb, totally in denial and justifying, you know. Yeah. And you can't yeah, cause see Yeah, because I mean, you just weren't in a good place. I mean, you're just... Yeah. You're just trying to write this script and, and, and justify what you're doing. And, and, um, and uh, it's interesting to me as, as you tell the story because I feel like all of us, you know, who have done stuff like this or, you know, whatever sexual sin can relate to, you try and do the good things in your life. You try and augment those if it's, as if it's going to yes. offset exactly. the stuff you're doing in the dark, right? Exactly. Totally because makes sense. I, I mean, could, that's my life. Yeah. I could
1: shut that off and compartmentalize it and just put it in its own little closet. Yep. And I had no clue about the effect it was having on anybody else. Uh, to me, I'm telling myself every time I go away from it, the story to make myself feel better, which paints... Uh, the daughter in a bad light, or makes it so, okay, this bad girl, she would be out, you know, sleeping with someone, so now she gets to be with this older guy, and that's probably awesome for her, and and Mm -hmm. how cool is this, Mm -hmm. Um, and just, just denying everything, completely, 100%. Totally. And then doing, in a way, it, I was... I was making myself a better person by being a worse person because I was trying to make up for it. So anytime I was doing something horrible, I would have to go and do something else. So I would join another board. I would donate more money. I would yeah. start another You're cause. dual life and hard. Yes, yeah. yes. big time. And just going in opposite directions equally, you yeah. know the worser I got, the better I got. Totally so, can relate to that. Um, so this went on for a few years. Uh, by the time she was an adult, she had 18, graduated from school. She moved out. Um, and, Shocker to no one. Yep. Yep. And, and everybody thought, well, she can't live under their house because I was painting her as a yeah. bad person. She's
0: this rebel, terrible girl, in yeah. there, a good Christian home, yeah, and, and she can't do that. Yeah, and that completely made
1: my story even better. Yeah. And sadly, I found yeah. out later that she had talked to uh, a youth pastor, They'd done the mandated reporter thing, but when the police got it, it was there was nothing to corroborate it. So it was his word against her word and those cases are a push, so they didn't press it. I never even got questioned. Never yeah. even got questioned.
0: Well and but and that's you know, the me too stuff and everything else stuff, I mean that's that's how it got handled.
1: Yeah. Totally wrong. Yeah. But yeah. And and here I am, I'm I'm now coaching The girls' high school soccer team and putting me into a place where I was like, okay, this this is not a good situation, but I never even knew that for over two years since her. uh, Well, because you're not admitting
0: to yourself the wrong no. that you've done. Right? No. So you're not saying to yourself, oh, I shouldn't be the coach of the girls' soccer team because, you know, I'm 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 a perpetrator. I'm, right. I mean, you're yeah. not
1: saying any of that I'm to saying, yourself. I'm saying this makes right? me look better and then I'm trying to make sure I'm doing really good so that if she says something, yeah. the whole girls' soccer team will be like, no, he didn't do that. Yeah, oh,
0: coach is great. Yeah, yeah.
1: exactly. Yeah. So yep. it was, um, and, and I was very overt with my soccer team about doing stuff like that. Like, I was like you guys be in the locker room and I'm out here. And, and one time they were like, it was they had to get changed on the bus. And I'm like, I am off of the bus and making sure everybody knows that I'm off of the bus and I'm, yeah, I'm staking it. Would my, never be me, yeah, yeah. yep. So that, that way I could have all this mini right. voices saying, not, not Coach Paul, yeah. Uh, so, um, in. So my, my wife has three kids. She has a son and two daughters. Then mm-hmm. I have my daughter from the previous marriage. So there's four okay. kids. Um. So the youngest of my wife's daughters was the soccer player. She was on my team, and so because the our- older one who moved out, who was your victim, that's the older of the two. Right. Right. Okay. Yep. So the younger one um,
0: is on have, the soccer team. You're on coaching? the soccer
1: teams, yes. Yeah, so she has friends come over, and uh, one night tried the same kind of a thing. 'Cause I'm I'm getting frustrated with um and, and I think it's something I didn't say is, you know, my wife was this really good girl. She grew up in church, at church, yeah. super straight laced. Yeah. And so the pornography was me acting out against wanting this bad girl. Yeah. And trying to find that and and the the pornography never says no. Pornography says yes, and, and I can find great whatever I want. False
0: validation. Yes. Yep.
1: Yeah. And so there was no disappointment with it. There was no rejection with yep. it. There was no shame for me, like, oh, you're weird. Why would well,
0: you? And it requires nothing of you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. The only thing it required of me is I had to sit and wait on dial up internet for pictures to download. So, yep. but what I was doing is um, I was taking sick days from work. To stay at home and download pictures. And because it did, it took, you know, two minutes per picture. So I yeah. needed some time, to stay up late at night. Yeah. Um, by the time I got arrested, I was sitting in a classroom with fifth grade kids because we had high speed internet at the school, downloading pornography on my school computer while my kids are reading a book and just making sure they don't come up and ask me a question and hitting a, some sort of a panic button to, you know, clear the screen. Uh, so I was getting pretty hooked into it. So, uh we had some girls from the soccer team that uh, spent the night and I tried the same thing with like touching the girl over the clothes type of a thing. And she made a report. Now the police have This isn't the other daughter. No. It's another girl on the team. Yeah. Okay. So Keep now going. the police have two reports. Yeah. So they've got some corroboration. So at that point, I get called in for questioning. Now, I had played this out in my head many, many times. Uh, I was living in fear, keeping these yeah. secrets. I had developed a speech impediment that was so bad. I went to the speech pathologist at the school. and was like, I don't know why I'm getting this stutter all of a sudden. I got this stammer where I can't spit things out. I realized after the fact. Because the body the, knows. Yeah. It was the stress. Uh, of, so, of trying to hold that dual life together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I got called in and I went into the police thinking, I got this. I could charm my way out of it. I've got the the backstory is all set. I have laid yeah. the groundwork. This is a yeah. bad girl. I'm a good guy. Check my references. Yeah, they send me on my way, and I'm thinking to myself, We're got away go. with it. Yep. yep. And I said, hey, you know, I've got to go to soccer practice with girls. Oh no, you're fine. And so they just let me go uh, back to my life, and uh, things started to unravel. At that point, and I could see the handwriting on the wall that this was not going to end well for me. Uh, I got questioned in January during Christmas break. It was was probably late December, early January. Uh Uh, By February, I was on administrative leave from the school. And then by June, my case had had gone through the process. I accepted a plea bargain, I had something like 76 letters from people to the judge saying, you've got the wrong guy. Paul's a good guy. Because I had done my homework yeah. and convinced people I was the good guy in preparation for this eventuality. Uh, the judge well, was like— Well, and
0: internally, this is just feeding all the shame, right? Oh, I yeah. mean, you're just burying your soul. Absolutely. Because every time you keep piling that justification, it's kind of you're almost subconsciously admitting to yourself you are bad, right? Oh. I, I mean— So, Because we're going to get to your testimony and the change. Yeah.
1: Keep going. So I I accept a plea bargain under the guise of, I don't want to drag the stepdaughter through the mud, make her get up there. Still telling the story. Yeah, and and prove what a bad person she is. So good guy Paul is going to take a plea bargain, which means I'm going to lose my teaching credential. I'm going to lose my credibility. I'm going to go to jail to protect this person who's accusing me wrongly. Yeah. And uh, and people bought it. Denial light bulb on. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Pe- people believed it because I, I had done a good job selling myself. Yep. And um, so I went to jail in June um, because I had money. I was able to get a great lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was looking at a 36-year exposure. Mm-hmm. And I was able to plea that down where I spent eight months uh, on a year sentence in the county jail, never did state time, um, and came out. I'm a registered offender, spent some time on probation. Yep. It's difficult for me to get a job, but really got a legal slap on the wrist uh, yeah. for all this stuff. Yeah. When I went in, my wife still believed that I was good guy Paul. Uh, and she kept on telling me that, and that's where the guilt really built up. Was an, I'm sitting here in jail. She's working three jobs trying to make ends meet while I'm in jail and she's telling me what a good guy I am and we'll put our lives back together once I get out so when we had that conversation on Christmas I was like I can't take this anymore so I called back the day after Christmas and I said hey I can't do this anymore I did it That everything that they said that police report that's true what our daughter is saying that's true she's the good girl I'm the bad guy I did the wrong here she did nothing wrong she was victim. And so then I asked her to have, uh, our daughter be on the phone the next day at a certain time. So that way I could call and tell my wife again, the exact same thing, but I wanted the girl to hear what I was saying. So she didn't just think I was saying, Oh yeah, some of it's true. Or, Oh yeah, maybe I did some stuff. I wanted her to hear. Yeah, I did this. This is true. So, I mean, that's a big turning point. It was huge. Just willing to be honest. Yeah. And it, it made me, I mean, it relieved a lot of stress at that point. Sure. Uh, and then I sat down and I wrote letters to everybody who'd written a letter to the judge saying, I lied. I got involved with pornography. I got involved with molesting my daughter and other people as well. And if you want to hear from me, you will write me back or you will call me when I get out. But otherwise, this is me saying goodbye and I don't want to. I, I didn't want to make anybody tell me get out, go away from me. Yeah. So I just gave them the option. Well, that's and the shame. Yeah. Most people yeah. took that option. So yeah, I went to school. Well, and and, and we've talked about this because,
0: um, you know, before, you know, if you're a guy that views porn, uh, we kind of assumed you had that problem. If you've cheated on your spouse you know if you're the me if you're in the me category right again that's like oh you've done that one thing you weren't supposed to do and you're super bad but you know we know it happens and you know that even that one people will still have some tolerance for but you know you molest someone you are permanent bad yeah you
1: are wrong you are i mean yeah i mean that's you don't come back from that one, Paul, right? Fall, right? And, and, and if you're listening right now, you turn to someone and just ask them who the worst people are. And they always go to murderers and rapists. And the child molester is like, that's the one you don't want to have. And that's the one that I have. Yeah. Um, so most of my friends had nothing to do with me. They walked away. And these are, are people that I went to school with since kindergarten. We, went, yeah. we were in each other's weddings. Yeah. And they're all gone now. I, I have. There's, there's one guy who's come back in the last year. Yeah. Um that's just been it's been amazing but that's we'll talk about that later.
0: Well, and I think one thing I want to bring up at this injunction a struggle I have a lot of time with people is they feel like if with whatever it is if you don't come forward then you know, you, you're, you can't, change isn't possible. You know, if you get caught, it basically eliminates the ability for you to really change. Right. That, um, and that's not true. I mean, I've seen a ton of guys who um, got caught multiple times with affairs or with porn or whatever, your situation. So I, I just, you know, I love your story because, I mean, you look at, I mean, the amount of denial that you're living in is almost laughable, right? I'm <laughs> like, you're like literally sitting in prison, Right. Um, but I think that's important for people to understand is like denial is, it's, it's in place so you can survive, right? That is a I mean, of coping to, and getting through If you through were a to situation. admit all this stuff I do in my life is fire insurance and BS to cover up for the fact that I know I'm bad. Right, I know I'm a terrible person, I know I'm a child molester, yeah, and I know I haven't changed yeah, right and that that gap there and so but even then, right, with you getting caught, getting arrested, like you still have been able to change. So I, just, I just want to throw that yeah. in at this injunction of the story because a lot of time people go, hey, well, you know, if my husband gets caught, then there's no way he can change. Because if he's caught, he doesn't really want to change. I'm like, right. In that moment, maybe he doesn't. In that moment, he probably still
1: has denial and can't see it all. But it doesn't mean that change is impossible. Right. Absolutely. And my father-in-law uh, wrote me a letter. He said, go away. Do not come back to this family. Get out. Leave mm-hmm. us alone. You're yeah. irredeemable. Yeah. And and so that, that hurt. And it, so it was tough for my wife to say, all right, we're going to try to work through this because she loves her father. I mean, she has yeah. idolized her father forever, and he's a great man. And so now she has to go against him. Uh, so I get out, come home. Uh, the church that we were at asked us not to come back. We don't want mm-hmm. to deal with your, your situation. So we go to a couple of different churches in town. We wind up landing at one that seems okay. Uh, I went in and talked to the pastor and said, uh, hey, this is my story. You know my story. If you're going to ask me to leave, I'd rather have it happen now before we put in some roots. And they're like, no, this is fine. Uh, So this is uh, February. No, Easter. It was Easter Sunday, first Mm -hmm. time we went to that Mm -hmm. church. Uh, So by Thanksgiving, (coughs) they asked me... (coughs) And my—it's <laughs> terrible to die on air. The yard. suspense
0: is killing me. Yeah. All right.
1: uh, so they asked me and my wife to share our story at a big Thanksgiving hoo-ha. Mm. And so I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this. And I said, well, what do you want me to say? And they said, whatever God tells you, you'll be fine. And I was like, thanks. That really helped a lot. So yeah. me, I get up there— Me and the guy upstairs are close, so that's an easy one. Yeah. So I look at my feet and shuffle my papers and just am standing in front of several hundred people— Feeling really conspicuous, and uh, so I shared, and then sat down and didn't look at anybody, no eye contact. Just shared, really, told people the story about, told people uh, story. Didn't get into any graphic details, but I was, you know, a year and a half before that, I was front page news in the newspaper, you know, in the town for a week and a half. So, Everybody knew, yeah, who okay. I was. There was no yep. no hiding it. Uh, So, I was basically just like, yeah, "Yeah, I'm the guy. Just let me connect the dots for those five or six people who haven't put it together (laughs) yet. That was me. Uh, And a guy comes up to me afterwards, and I'm expecting to be like, you suck. Get out of here. Leave us alone. And he's like, he said, the only thing, the difference between you and me is they put your story in the newspaper. And I was like, wow, that was not what I was expecting. And then another guy came up to me, and he ran a 12 step recovery group at the church called Celebrate Recovery. And he started harassing me, and you know from Thanksgiving on, like, hey, you should come to our group. You re-. Yeah, and come. I was like, get away! You're a freak. Yeah. I'm not a meth head. I don't drink. Just leave me alone. I'm yeah. trying to get my life back yeah. together here. And he was like gum on my shoe, couldn't get rid of him. So I finally went uh, in January. I went. And I said, I'm going one time. Get well, you up, and my tell us. So tell me what happened with the porn, right? Because you said
0: would kind of you know yeah. as you hit prison, and all that it kind of stopped. But then. It, at that it, point it yeah again. at so that point I happen? really
1: needed God I really yep. needed Jesus because a miracle would be I get off of this case and I don't go to jail yep well I didn't get that miracle but when I'm in prison I'm I'm literally I'm praying okay God let's make people know how good you are get me out early you know that'll be the miracle, and I'm claiming that miracle in advance. I'm going to get out early. And- well, and tell tell me the cereal thing, right? That was oh, a good. Yeah, yeah. I'm sitting in, in prison. We're just talking about you know what we want. I wanted to be sitting in my living room eating a bowl of cereal. Because if if you were there, then you would yeah, have arrived. That would have been yeah. That, that's all I need. That what? Yep. That's all I needed to be happy. Now I'm sitting there. I have a job. Uh, I'm doing construction now. For a guy that has like 90 units past a BA working in the construction field, doing manual labor and pouring concrete was not my career goal. Yeah. And at this point, I'm in my mid-30s. It's late to be starting in construction and I've got a bad back anyway, so I'm I'm sore. My hands are cramping up at night. It's just... It was miserable. I was getting bill, bills paid, but I was miserable. Yeah. Um, and so the porn starts sneaking back in with that uh, because... I felt like I wasn't afraid anymore, and I was not happy. Because you were you were not
0: doing porn, not out of a change of heart, just living in fear. Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
1: And it's as awkward as it is to be married to a lady who you see as super straight-laced and prim and proper, that makes for an awkward marriage relationship or and, and a sexual relationship and then now come home from jail after admitting that you molested her daughter, that does not make the bedroom a comfortable place no. at all. So I start turning back to the porn and getting more into that. And then as I started working in Celebrate Recovery and, and doing my fourth step and writing that inventory out and really getting into the root causes and looking at my uh, my lack of self-esteem, my fear of rejection and all these things, I started understanding it. I was able to put the porn down and be like, okay, I'm going to do something else. And now I'm doing it for the right reasons. Instead of just being afraid. Yeah. Now I'm like, I'm finding different things to satisfy me. And my wife started, uh, going to celebrate recovery and working on herself. And we started having some real honest conversations. And I was able to say, you know, the things that were on my heart and, It made it even more awkward uh, intimately with my wife. But then as we started to be able to talk about things, we realized if we don't talk about these things that are difficult and embarrassing, then this is going to be over. Well, because she's got a problem. We
0: talk about the betrayal trauma a lot here and the trauma she experiences. And just to to have this, you know, you're her husband, the person she's supposed to trust. Um, obliterate her trust, not just with the porn, right? But with molesting her daughter. Yeah. I mean for her to come back from that and heal from that, that's I mean, that's a whole journey. We I mean I can do a whole podcast episode yeah. with her, right? Yeah. And yeah. so um so yeah, I mean that's big, right? I mean a lot of a lot of work there. Yes. A lot of work there.
1: And so I'm trying to get uh my daughter from my previous marriage, you know, the day I got arrested, the day before I got arrested, I knew I was gonna get arrested. Uh my boss at the time was the mayor. So he had talked to the police and said, okay, let's, you know, not make a big show of this. So I called my ex-wife and I said, hey, looks like I'm going to get arrested. So why don't you come pick up our daughter? And uh, so she didn't have to see daddy in handcuffs. She was eight years old at the time and had lived with me. She had the whole time. She never knew anything other than living at daddy's house because when her mom left, uh, she was staying with me. So, her mom came uh, and she lived several hours away. So, next day, I didn't realize that, but she took her down to the school, enrolled her in school, and, like, you're not going back to daddy's house. Yeah. Uh, so, it was about eight years before I saw that girl again. And now she's the girl that I'm up here visiting uh-huh. in Salt Lake City. So, that relationship has been restored. Um, well, and but, although although you didn't molest her, again, still probably had to process that. Oh, and, she, you know, here's what she knows it was. Uh, February 13th, day before Valentine's Day. So she's filling out Valentine's cards for the Valentine's party at school. Her mom shows up out of the blue in the middle of the week, takes her, puts her in a new school. Nobody tells her anything. A mom who she hasn't lived with her whole life. Right. She's visited. Right. um, But but yeah, hasn't lived there. Um, And then eventually... Uh, years later, she goes to a child psychologist. Who then—that's where she found out these things about her dad. Yeah. Dad was her hero, and now she's hearing these stuff. Dad never told her. Complete betrayal of trust. Yeah. Uh, so when I got reintroduced to her when she was a junior in high school, she was pretty angry. You know, oh, there was I'm sure a lot of of anger I, there. So that took a lot. I would be right to and heal. Yeah, be, yeah. yeah. Totally. So totally. Yeah, broke her trust big time. Um. So as, as I'm going through and getting, now I'm starting to heal because I'm working through the 12-step process. I'm starting to try to heal some relationships, make some amends. Uh, the daughter that was the victim uh, got pregnant and she announced it to us on Father's Day. Now, we would go over and, and do things at her house and it was very uncomfortable. It was extremely awkward and um, so then she announced she's pregnant and now we're going to have a child. Coming in here, and I'm going to be a grandpa, and that's when things started to flip in that relationship. Uh, she started to look at me and and see the changes I was making. But
0: but I mean, you'd been open, right? I mean, you had you.
1: I mean, you highlighted it with the yes. phone call. But I mean, you were like,
0: "I did this to you."
1: Yes, I made what amends do I need to make? Right, it, and, and and that was a difficult thing because. It was, it was difficult to talk to, and I didn't feel that I had the right to make her talk about it or sure. to put it in her face or anything like sure. that. And the other victim that I had, I have never said a word to them because um, I just don't feel it's my right to in- introduce myself to them and say, hey, I'm sorry about this. I think it would do more harm to them than good. Uh, if they came to me, I would be perfectly willing to, but I, that's not my step to take. But because it was a family thing, there was more there. And she could see me changing. And... um, I mean, did she
0: want to talk about it? Or was she just like angry, I don't want you in my life?
1: um, Initially. Initially angry, don't want you in my life. Uh, But she's also a very forgiving and loving person. And so she wanted to not have any kind of enmity there at family gatherings and awkwardness. But I, I'm, I'm going
0: to tell you because I, I see this in my own family. Um, if you had not been willing to really admit what had happened and really been open, if you had had a sniff of minimizing, justifying on all of this stuff, I'm sure she would still be pissed and oh, would yeah. still not want you in her life. Oh, yeah. But just because so many, so many men feel like if I'm actually honest about the bad things that I've done, no one will want a relationship with me. Right. When really, that's the adversary, right? Because the reverse is true. When people know you're not honest and they have a sense of you're minimizing and justifying, that's when they don't want a relationship
1: right. with you. Because they don't know what to trust. Exactly. Well, and that's what... Uh, my podcast partner, Biker Chick, she says, you know, she's a victim right. of, of uh, right. molest. Not and your she, victim. No, but a no, no. victim. Yep. And she says, I trust Paul because I know him. I know that he's being honest about it. The guy I don't trust is this stranger that I'm sitting next to on a bus or walking with in the store because I don't know what their story is, because they're not they're not telling me. And they might be good, they might be bad, but I don't know. So she has more of a fear of that stranger. Then she does to the person who's... But
0: but that's the truth, right? I mean, that's the... Yeah. That's just, like, you know, I've had conversations with people that I'm like, I don't know that I would, and I've, I've never molested any children, right? Um, and... Um, I'm like I don't know that I would let your kids sleep over at my house and I'm like, I'm like how do you know I'm not a child molester like yeah. how do you know I'm like sure we hang out at church and whatever like do you really know me yeah and they're like well I don't know like I'm sure that's fine or whatever and I'm like that that's when it ha- that's the problem it's the people you trust yeah. the closest oh that they uh, don't give Pastor out Pastor John he's the nicest guy I cares. Met the soccer coach that yeah. one. he's so good with the girls and he always gets off the bus when they change yeah you know, they, right? they don't so- give you
1: a trench coat and a mustache
0: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you're right. a molester now that's it, right It's it's anybody out there can be right, and and so I mean what you know what biker chick is saying right is that's is is your openness um, that's the difference. And so I mean my questions are and I and I want to get into talking about you know your prison ministry and the stuff you're doing now right to help others. But tell me like what was the real change? Because here's here's the thing: I run with everyone with all the guys that have done the twelve steps; they've been to therapy. They've done this. They've done that. And none of those things intrinsically really change, right? I mean, it's God touching our heart. That's, that's yeah. the, and why I'm very unapologetic about, right, unafraid to come into Christ for healing. Because yeah. if you don't do that, you can do whatever you want. You can do all the therapy in the world, all the church stuff in the world, like activities, meetings, boards, whatever. Yeah. Um, you can do 12 steps 10 times a day till you're dead. But none of that will change. I mean, like, so what really changed you? Because to be honest, there are there are a lot of men who change from sexual addiction, from cheating on their spouse... Porn that change. There's more men that change than people think, which is why I sit here and record their stories. Um, But there's a lot of men who go to the grave still in the denial that you were in yeah still in the minimizing about what they did and for a lot of men it was years ago you know oh that you know that was that wasn't really something that happened with those two girls whenever going it's like no it absolutely was you molested those girls and you wrecked their lives yeah and put their lives on a completely tailspin different trajectory so there's so many men that you know honestly like don't come back from where you've come back from so I can't just buy, like, you just went and did the 12 steps and your wife was just awesome and sat with you, right? I mean, it's, I know that's globally true, right. but, like, what, what were the real game changers for
1: you? Because so there's a ton me, of people listening that are, like... For me, buying into the fact that I couldn't do it. I was white-knuckling it. I mm-hmm. was like, okay, I'll do this. Or, all right, I really want to go and do this to this girl, so I'm going to go and do porn instead. I found different ways to deal with stress, fear, anxiety, poor self esteem. Um, and I was honest about it. The, the, I think because I. Honest that you can do it alone? Is that what you're saying? Oh, gosh, no. I, 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 I needed. I had a strong sponsor who I could tell anything to. Yeah, and I could I could get I, I had to stop keeping secrets. Once I stopped keeping secrets, but what what made you be willing to not keep secrets? because um, you've been a secret keeper your whole life, right. bro. Right. Well, th- I I always tell people my biggest blessing was that I was front page news. Mm-hmm. I I couldn't minimize the story anymore, so that yeah. took that tool away from me. Uh. I was I had you know done the Jesus thing before, but I didn't really do it. It was fire like I said, insurance. It was fire insurance. Yeah. Now I was like, okay, I've I've hit that low point. I can't undo that. Realizing I couldn't undo because I spent a lot of time trying to what could I do to get back into teaching? What could I do? What right. could I do differently? It's like you can't. Yeah. It's already done. You've jumped off the bridge. Now you got to figure out how to hit the water. And so I figured out how to hit the water. So
0: being honest with yourself. Finally, willing to be honest with yourself. Oh
1: gosh! Yeah, being honest with myself was was huge, and acknowledging. Well, the thing I love about celibate recovery, as opposed to like AA, when we introduce ourselves, the first thing I say is, "I'm a grateful Christian believer." That's Mm -hmm. my identity. My identity's in Christ. It's not in. Yeah might hurt. a hang I've up heard in guys at 12
0: Steps say, um, you know, I'm a son of God. I've heard that yeah. one too, right? Hi, my name's Steve. I'm a son of God. Yeah. And, and I struggle with addiction. Because yeah. I think there's a good de-shaming thing to say, to admit, right? Yeah. Hey, I'm a child. Boss, I understand. Or I'm an addict. Or I'm, yeah. So there's a good de-shaming part of that to just be like, I'm not going to, Shirk or hide away from that identity or that you know whatever, but I agree with you. There, there's a bigger story for you, a bigger identity. That's really the one you need to relate with, right? And,
1: yeah, and I knew that I needed to use my story. If I if I just let my story sit there and I'm this former teacher, former coach, former somebody yeah. who's now just a child molester, concrete pourer, um, that wasn't going to do anybody any good. Yeah, uh, because. The last thing that I heard when I walked out of the institution, guard stood at the door. He opened it up for me. stood at the door and says, "I'm walking out." He's like, "See you next week," and I was like, "No, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna change." Well, that he just shames you right there. Yeah, Ooh. I'm not gonna, yeah. I'm not gonna accept that. I'm gonna do something different. And, and I don't think that any laws will change in my favor in my lifetime. Yep. because too many people repeat. And yeah, there's the recidivism and they're in denial. On there, yeah. So I wanted to make sure that I did the right things so that someone could walk behind me and not have as bad of a time, and that we could start changing the trajectory of the person who's fallen and and show them a path to redemption. So if there's going to be a path to redemption, I've got to find that path. And I can't do that on my own because everything I did was on my own. I was doing it in my power and trying to manipulate the situation and walking into the police station saying, I've got this, instead of being honest yeah. and not being afraid of the shame. And uh, and still, shame can – I mean, it's, it's a powerful tool. A couple of weeks ago, I was sharing my testimony at a church in town, and my mother showed up. Oof. So now I've got to say yeah. all these things with mom standing right with there. mom, and it's just like my initial reaction was, "All right, let's do some on the fly editing. Let's change it." And <laughs> like, no, nope, uh, yeah. can't do it because because doing that admits that shame is better, hiding is better, mm-hmm. secrets are better, and I've learned that that's not the case. So I just had to stand there and take my lumps and. I mean, honestly, my mom knows the story already. But but
0: that's where God can be with you. When you're honest, that's when you can
1: allow God in. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've done the honest,
0: not honest, honest, not honest thing a couple of times. And every time I'm like, when did God start
1: entering back in my life and recovery really happen?" And it's always been when I'm 100% honest. The verse for me that makes the most sense now, I used to love I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I think that's great. Power. Awesome. That's awesome. But now... It's the renewing of the mind because What's I the verse? understand it's, it's, I, am bad. It's Romans Busted. something, Romans something. Yeah. Check out Romans. We'll something. put it in there. We'll write yeah, it in. Yeah. Uh, uh, but tell me what it says. Tell but it, it says that, you know, through the renewing of our minds, you know, Christ becomes alive because my mind is different. I'm a new person because my mind is renewed and my mind is now renewed and, and I allowed Christ to do that in me. So now. So how, how did you allow him to do that without
0: like you working for it? Because the thing I find indefinitely with people with shame is let me clean myself up and then I'll come to God. Let me make my behavior right. Let me quit viewing porn for so long. Let me quit having affairs. So I've heard all you know guys say, "Man, I just you know I had an affair, prostitute or something." And I once I once I haven't done that for like a year and I'm in a good place, then I'll tell my wife. Then I'll disclose. Then I'll start in the process of recovery and healing or the 12 yeah. steps or whatever process you want to define it. Really, yeah. I'll just say the gospel, right? Yeah. Choosing to live live um, as a disciple of Christ. But So what helped you change? Because I mean, you were a checklister, right? I mean, you your dual life. You're like, whatever I can do to look good, seem good, do the right. And I'm not saying you didn't find the spirit and God right. in some of that stuff. I'm sure you did. I did a lot. But what what caused that change for you to go from, I have to earn God's acceptance and love, I have to be worthy of it, and then I'll start living it, to allow him to sit with you in the place where, I mean, you're super unworthy
1: of it. I him. have a lousy answer. That's I just want the real answer. So, so here's, here's the answer. Uh, C.S. Lewis talks about being on a train oh, C.S. Lewis. from Paris to Berlin. He said, if you're on a train from Paris to Berlin, at some point you won't be in France anymore and you'll be in Germany. And some people be awake and they'll see the border, they'll know exactly when that happened. Other people will wake up and they'll be in Germany, they'll know they're in Berlin and they'll realize that they're in Germany, but they don't know when it happened. And they don't see it. And that's me. I was asleep on the train and I was on this journey. And I can't point. I and and I do the 12 step thing, you know, I lead celebrate recovery, and I've got people are like, oh, this is my, you know, whatever. I don't know. I don't have a date. Yeah. I don't have a time. I just know now that I have a different because I look at it and it's like when I think about pornography, it's not appealing. It's 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 lost all of its allure. And so you've and been I how, how long from
0: how long from pornography and how long from you know the uh, incident
1: with the sock? Because that was the last time you had an incident happen yeah, with that was molesting, uh, right? nineteen years since the last molest. Uh, Seventeen years with the pornography. And um, and just because what a shame I was uh, masturbation what I would call with a the dry porn, drunk right yeah, yeah. and so, I would I would call myself a dry drunk probably for the first five six years where I was just of that yeah just still yeah. white knuckling it
0: living in fear yeah kind of but the last last ten years but that kind of connects with your train story right yeah 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 I'm asleep on the yeah well and I think there's a beauty to that because I think sometimes. A lot of us get discouraged because we're like, if we don't have this giant grace moment or this giant change of heart moment, then it hasn't happened. Right, it's not going there. Right, but I mean, you can't really point to one of those specifically. But you, you just I want start. One. Because it, it yes. looks good. It looks yeah. good and I can
1: point back yeah, to this date, you know. Yeah. yeah. I have no clue. I was at
0: this church retreat or I was at this yeah, I was on a hike or yeah. whatever. Yeah, whatever it was. But but I mean I guess the things that I'm pulling out are is you got humbled, right? You you got yep. around your denial. God was continually trying to open the doors for you. You um, got a hundred percent honest. See, and to me the biggest tell is how you responded to your victim. Right, and that is that you know you were a hundred percent honest. Yeah. You were in a place, right? I mean, you guys have a relationship now.
1: We have an insanely normal relationship now. I was when I was driving to Utah, I, we're driving along. It's me and my wife. We both have phones. Yep. So, my victim calls me to ask for some advice and to yeah. tell a funny story. And it's not unusual for her to call me and and ask me something. And she calls her mom too. But it's just, I am, you know, I'm, I'm not the guy who did that. I'm, I'm a different guy. And she will defend me more than almost anybody else because she says she's seen that change. And the thing that's the most beautiful to me is she's got two sons, and they now know, they're, they're, they're 10 and 12. So they know that Papa has been to, to jail.
0: Uh-huh. They
1: know that he got arrested and did some stuff. They don't know all the details.
0: Right, age-appropriate. But right. they
1: know... I'm Papa. Yeah, that's it. That's all they know. They, my my oldest grandson. I, I'm one of his favorite people on the planet, and he he trusts me that they have no problem sending their kids to spend the night with us, um, to do things, uh, you know, call. Hey, Gabriel needs help on his homework. But Can the honesty, right? Yeah, it's the honesty, yeah. and and so she knows there's there's no secrets now. There's nothing that's yeah. going on,
2: yeah.
1: And and honesty and a renewing of the mind and a I changed my trajectory before I was looking to see how can I get away with this. Yeah. And now I'm looking to see how can I just be right for and and there's there's still sometimes a knee-jerk reaction wanting to to fix the past. Wanting to be the best that I can because I've sown so much evil that I want to sow good now. Yeah. Um, the scales of justice. Exactly. Yeah. Sure. We all feel that way. So so that's 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 hard enough to do but now i find that the rush that i get from doing something in my ministry so tell us exceeds, tell us about that tell us about yeah. the in particular so,
0: the prison ministry
1: that you're doing there and, um in the last year uh when, when i when i was inside people came in and ministered to me and i was like that was important that that made me feel like that a made human a being yeah. yeah i need to do that for someone yeah and so because I'm a registered offender, it's really hard to get back into an institution because I am public enemy number one. I mean, if, if I walk into any institution and I wear a sign that says my crime, I murdered someone. Okay, cool. Uh, I'm a drug dealer. Hey, come and have you know, some soup with us. I molested someone. Let me go get my shank. And yeah. You're about to die. Yeah. And so prisons don't want to mop up my blood. So they don't want to have me come in. They don't care how good my program is. They don't want the hassle. So I finally, that door opened up about a year ago. And so now I'm doing prison ministry, working with prison fellowship and Celebrate Recovery Inside, doing uh, various classes inside a prison that's about an hour from my house, uh, volunteering. Uh, And so I'm in the prison now three times a week as a volunteer and it's fantastic. Now, I can't be as honest in the prison as I am here because that's a death wish. The shank thing. Yep. Yeah. So I have to work around it. But seeing people's lives be changed and and seeing them find some hope like, oh, you were inside and now you're doing this. This is good. Yeah. Uh, and watching men turn themselves over uh, to Christ in this situation and find hope. I have on my wall, I've got a letter that uh, got written to me shortly. I I received this letter shortly after I got home from jail. And Mm -hmm. I was locked up with a guy, and he got 25 to life for a double homicide. He couldn't read and write more than about a first grade level. And so I used to read for him and write his letters, and he had no faith. But he would hang out, just because I treated him nicely, he would hang out at my little Bible study that I was doing in prison to try to win back favor with God. And he wrote me about two months after I got home. I got a letter from him written in his own hand. It must have taken him an hour to write. And the first thing is, I have good news. And this is a guy that spent the rest of his life in jail. He's got good news. He accepted Christ. And he was thanking me for giving him a chance and showing him, you know, being and, and opening that, that door. Yeah. yeah. And so being able to do that and, and see that there's a ministry opportunity there for them and for me has been amazing. Uh, Last November, I finished uh, the first draft of my autobiography. My victim is going to write the foreword to it. So cool. uh, And um, is like totally on board with me writing the book and telling the story. Um, And so now I do the – I've been doing the blog, the Minister of Mocha now, for about four years uh, just – a little blast of hope that ends every time with rise up because I want people to just be able to rise up and not live in that shame and that fear. And uh, then been doing the podcast now for a year and trying to take stories and make a mess into a message and, and make it so that people, the most valuable tool I have isn't my Bible and it's not, you know, my bank account. It's my story. Yep, That's what people can argue with the Bible People can argue with any book, but my story is my story, and and that's they can't tell difficult. you didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, that's difficult for them to take away, and they might draw different conclusions than I draw. But I can see where Christ has worked but, in my life. But you're he,
0: still married,
1: and you're to and the same daughter lady. who's a victim. Just talks had, to you. Yesterday was so, my 24th wedding anniversary. Congrats! Yeah, on April Fool's Day. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and. Not yeah. a joke. Really was this 24th. Yeah. yeah. No, joke's on her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, all my kids have a great relationship with me now. And, uh, but
0: that took time. That took recovery. That A took- whole lot
1: of time. That, and the scars yeah. are always there. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and they remind me. And I'm glad. I used to think when I got out, I was like, how can I get my life back?
0: Because you're open. You're not. Because yeah. I hear a lot of guys in addiction that say, how do we clean this up and be done with it? Yeah, and it's like that's not what it's about. It's about having an openness always. Yeah, and then eventually they'll quit asking. You yeah. know, I have had a lot of times with my wife where she's asking me, "Well, did this really happen? How did that happen?" That and she's had questions and questions. I'm like, but if I'm open and I'm honest, like, eventually the questions quit coming up because she just right. knows
1: where we are. And my car has a rearview mirror, and yeah. I use it but I don't watch it constantly. And most of the yeah. time I'm looking out forward, but every once in a while i got to look and see what's in the past, and i got to reach back and touch that and understand this is where yeah. I was because I never want to go back there, and I don't want my stuff back. I don't want to go back to where I was because I did the same thing again.
0: Yeah, you don't want to be back in denial. and Yeah. And yeah I mean, you don't want to live that way. Yeah, right so no, life no, now is
1: completely different, but it's awesome. I mean, I love so, what I'm doing. So I, I, I want to end
0: on this. I know, and you know— for a fact that there are men listening to this who have cheated on their spouse, are addicted to porn, and or have molested children, right? have, have done these things, and they do not believe redemption is possible. Right. They do not believe their life can change. They believe that if they were to be honest... Everything the adversary is telling them, you'll lose everything. Everyone will hate you. Whatever lies he's telling them specifically, you and I could probably name them all right now. We're very familiar with them. We bought into them for a long time. What would you tell those men? If we had them sitting here with us right now, what would you tell them?
1: I know that um, God can change everything in an instant, but evidence shows me he typically doesn't that it takes a while. If I take a pound of butter, a pound of flour, and a pound of sugar and mix it in a bowl, it's not a pound cake. If I bake it, give it some time, come back, it's a pound cake. And my life did not change overnight. It, it It wasn't instantaneous. It was a lot of hard work. And most of the people that I used to know, I don't know. The friends that I have now most of them didn't know me until after I got out. Um, there are some exceptions. And the guy that was the best man in both of my weddings was one of the guys who walked away. And last year, I got a call from him. He's moved back to our town. We have coffee almost every day now because he's like... Reconnected. Re- yeah, and, and he sees the difference. And yeah. I said, you know, do you think that any of the other guys will ever... He said, they're just not ready yet. Yeah, But, you know, it... It takes time, but if, the, if my purpose is to get my stuff back, I will wind up in the same horrible hole. My purpose now is to love God, to show his love, to be a reflection of that, and to, to show people, look, I'm walking through this minefield for you, and I might blow up, and if I do, don't walk where I'm walking. But if I don't blow up, just keep on walking behind me and let people walk behind you because it's just a chain that we're pulling people through. And the only reason I've gotten through is because I've seen other people be able to get through. And um, I just, I have that hope that God is going to make a way for me. And and even if I get shanked in prison, God's going to use that story to say, look, you don't have to be afraid. The worst thing that can happen to me is somebody kills me and I go to heaven. So that's not a bad gig. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm down with that. Now I don't hope for it. Yeah. I, I would <laughs> rather, you know, I'm down with that. Peacefully <laughs> at night, you know, yeah. in my sleep would be the great way to go, but at some point I'm going to die. So, yeah. I mean, that would be a great story for the ministry is like, you know, so I'm okay with it. Um, and yeah. if, if I give up hope, there's not a lot of people who are going to hope me into success. I yeah. have to maintain the hope, and I have to maintain my relationship. And if I didn't have a relationship with Christ, giving me that strength, because I don't have the strength. Yeah, he's the one to give you to the fail. hope. That's, yes, that's, that's that's what I have the capacity to do. Is I've make also a learned I have the disaster. strength to fail, Paul. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it has to be it has to be him and me living through him, and him living through me. Uh, I can't be it. I'm not the guy who makes the speeches. I'm not the guy who shares. I'm not the guy who does this. I am just a mouthpiece. Well, and you're not the guy who changed your own life, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I did, <laughs> and then I stopped changing it and let Christ do some good stuff, and, <laughs> and, and went back to a more and that's when it got plan. real good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I made it so I couldn't teach anymore. Yeah. And now Christ has me teaching in prison. Yeah. Uh, and 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 they told me they said your life is going to be ruined. I said no, my life will be forever. Changed and it is. It's forever changed, and I think for the better. Yeah. I wouldn't have drawn it up like this. This is not why I went to college. Yep. You know, but I wouldn't have it. I wouldn't have it be different than it is now. Do
0: you, yeah, you may have friends write you off. You
1: may have things change.
0: You may end up getting divorced. But the life that God has for you is better than the life you're going to make
1: for oh, yourself. Oh my word, so much better. Just not even. Nothing comes close.
0: Well, people can't tell you you don't know, Paul, right?
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Well, Paul's never done anything real bad that I can. Yeah. Um, So uh, what people don't know um, is I actually stole this from you. So I've started asking everyone when they come on, we, we end with a song. Right, oh. I let them choose the song. See, and he's saying, oh, see, Paul didn't know this news to him I- I didn't know that. that I stole this from him. So, Paul, right, they highlight a song, uh-huh. right, and they, they kind of talk about it, why they like it, and they put it in there. And um, so, as I started listening to Mess It Up, I was like, that's just such a great idea. I'm going to steal it. So, This is the moment where I can give credit where credit is due. Um, But so I don't choose the song because um, I'm happy to be here and create a space that I
1: hope as many men possible hear your story and And know that there's hope, right? And one thing I want to point out, and women, Mm -hmm. I have a lot of women who come up who are in the exact same boat that I've been in, Mm -hmm. and they feel worse because they feel like people don't believe them when they try to be honest. Yeah. 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 So yeah. it's it's not nearly as many. It's it's definitely a bigger problem with with, yeah. with men. But
0: well, and I just say that because for my story, yeah. I I don't. People are like women with addiction. I'm like I'm not a woman. I'm not going to say I know. Right. I don't yeah. know. That, that's yeah. the only reason I hesitate on it. But you're, yeah. no, you're right. And 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 hope hopes hopes for everyone. Right. Um, but this is your story. And so Paul, the bow tie guy, uh-huh. I am like seriously humbled, on that you come on and share. So thanks for being willing to be. Unashamed and uh, i and share your
1: story and if you were to put a song with your story what what song would it be the song for my story has always been Stephen Curtis Chapman remember your chains uh, and uh, he wrote that for prison ministry or prison fellowship ministry and uh, just talks about remembering the chains and remembering that my chains are gone mm-hmm. and so that is uh, that's my my song okay well, thanks for coming on,
0: and we will end it with that. Awesome. Thanks for having me.
2: I couldn't help but wonder what he was thinking As he stared out the window through the sky It seemed he was taking his last look at freedom From the hopeless longing look in his eyes There were chains on His hands And chains on His feet And as I passed Him by The thought came to me Remember your chains Remember the bridge that once held you before the love of God Remember the place you were without grace. When you see where you are now, remember your chains and remember. More thankful to sit at the table than the one who best remembers hunger's pain. And no heart loves greater than the one that is able to recall the time when all it knew was shame. The wings of forgiveness can take us to heights never see, but the wisest ones for they will never lose sight of where they were set free love set them free so remember your chains remember the prison that once held you before the love of God rose through place you were without grace When you see where you are now Remember your chains And remember your chains